Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. Good morning. Hi. If you don't know me, my name is Sarah, and I have the honour and privilege of bringing you the word this morning. Woo! So how about we open in prayer and then we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we just give you this chunk of time to do whatever it is that you want to do today. Father, I thank you that when you send out your word, it does not return to you void. So Father, do whatever it is that you want to do in our hearts today. Help us to have soft hearts to receive what it is that you want to say to each of us. We give you this time in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I want to share with you my hobby. I love to garden. Does anybody else in the room like gardening? Just one. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Margaret. Um, so even if you don't like to garden, I think most people appreciate a beautiful garden or beautiful natural spaces because when the Lord created people, where did he stick us? He stuck us in a garden. So there's something that's good for the soul when you're around some beautiful natural landscapes or a beautiful garden. And I love to actually do the physical work of gardening. I love to plant a garden, plant a garden, maintain a garden, and most of all, I enjoy the harvest. Fruits, veggies, flowers, smelling the roses, love it. And I want to tell you about how my garden began, and then we'll launch into some scriptures after that. So... We moved into our house in 2021 in Barden Ridge, and I had a blank slate of a garden. Like, the front yard was a dust bowl with a few dead gum trees. Um, so a couple of the dead gum trees were on the council nature strip, so I called them up. They agreed they were dead. They came and took them out for me. Thank you. And then the other two, one we got permission to take down because it was too close to the house, and the other one they said oh, no, 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 that one's fine. I'm like, mm, I'm pretty sure it's sick. Like, no, no, it's fine. Anyway, that one fell down in a storm and squashed my friend's car. Anyway, so the one that was left, we had taken down, cut down. And um, the tree lopper came, chopped it down, and the guy that was going to mulch the tree couldn't come to the following day. Now, the following day, I was going to be at work, but my mother-in-law was going to be at my house looking after our daughter, Chloe. And so... Halfway through the day, she phoned me and she said, the mulching guy's here, he's mulched the tree, he just would like to know if you'd like him to leave the mulch of that tree. And I was like, oh yeah, that's a great idea, leave the mulch, I can use that on the garden, free mulch, sounds like a good idea. Anyway, I drove home that afternoon and as I'm pulling up my street, I see what is a Mount Everest of mulch. 12 tons. Like, this guy had emptied his entire truckload, I'd say 10 to 12 trees worth of mulch, onto our front garden. And I was ropeable, because this guy had just saved himself a lot of tip fees by dumping his full truckload of mulch onto our garden. So... I didn't feel very Christian at the time. Anyway, I called up the tree lopper. I didn't have the mulching guy's phone number. I called up the tree lopper, and I was like, you won't believe what has happened. And he said, look, I'll, I'll call the guy. He called the guy, called me back. Uh, he said that your mother-in-law said that you wanted the entire truckload, and it's like his word against hers, so I'm sorry, you're stuck with the mulch. 
And I'm like, you're kidding me. He said, well, if you want him to come back and pick it up, it'll cost you $1,000. <laughs> okay, so I didn't get him to come back and pick up the mulch. So I went to bed that night seething with anger, um, feeling actually quite sick to my stomach. And I, like I, like I do, I'm, I, I love walking with the Lord. And I went to him and I went, Lord, I need your help. <laughs> What do I do with this giant pile of mulch, knowing that in my head, I was going to show my street what an amazing gardener I am. And here I am, all like, this is just embarrassing, this massive pile of mulch. So I'm like, Lord, I need your guidance here. And like, the Lord's a genius, right? So he started putting some ideas in my head. I started doing a bit of research, and I started down this path of permaculture. So what Andrew and I did is we laid the entire front garden with cardboard to suppress the weeds. We built garden beds um, out of, sort of garden edging, and we filled those beds with the mulch, and we used every last scrap of mulch that had been left in our property. We worked blood and bone through that mulch. We gave it a bit of time, let it break down. We planted into the mulch. And I'm not going to be very humble when I say this. I have the most beautiful garden on my street. I do. It is beautiful roses, flowers, fruit trees, it is beautiful. And it started as a giant mess. And I think that is a beautiful metaphor for how the Lord works in people's lives. He can take a giant mess, and if you give it to him, he will make something beautiful out of your life. I've seen him do it in my own life. I've seen him do it in other people's lives. Even when the thing that's happened to you is in, like, there's no justice there. It's unfair what's happened to you. The Lord can still use it to make something beautiful out of your life. And that's the kind of theme we're going to explore today. So the sermon today is called Faithful and Fruitful. Because we're not Christian in name only, right? Our life has to produce something. And my garden's got quite a few fruit trees now. I've got, okay, four apples, two bananas, six citrus, a mulberry blueberries, strawberries, and a veggie garden. So I know a thing or two about how to produce fruit. And there's a lot in the scriptures about fruit produ production in the heart and the life of a Christian. So we're going to look at some of those things today. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay, we're going to look at what is this fruit the Bible talks about, and then we're going to talk about the ways the Lord tells us to cultivate more fruit in our lives. And the purpose of the sermon today is not for you to walk out feeling like, oh, I feel really like condemned that I'm not living a fruitful Christian life. No, no, no. This is for you to walk out feeling really inspired to be as fruitful as you can be in your life because our world needs to see fruitful Christians. Okay, so there's three types of fruit. Well, there's actually four types of fruit the New Testament talks about. I'm only going to talk to you about three types. The fourth type is the fruit of repentance, and I decided not to go there today. So the three types of fruit that the New Testament talks about is our character, so who we are, our conduct, what we do, our good works, and converts, seeing other people also come to the knowledge of Jesus. So let's expand on each of those three a little bit. Our character. This is about who we are, the character of who we are. So this, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is the kind of character the Lord wants to grow in us. So in Galatians 5, 22 to 23, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I would like a bit more of all of those. Anybody else feel like they'd like a bit more of all of those fruits? And you know what? Living with the fruits of the Holy Spirit is nice for you. It feels nice to have joy. It feels nice to have peace. But actually, it's not actually about us. It's about the Lord showing the world this is who he is. This is what the Lord is like. And we get to represent him. Now, the meaning of the word Christian is little Christ. We actually get to be like Jesus. And this is his personality. This is who he is. These are his character traits. And this is what he wants to grow in us. So the second one, our conduct. So this is the the good works that we do. And I want to say right here, right now, we're not saved by doing good works. If you are still exploring Christianity, wondering what this whole thing is about, becoming a Christian and being saved is a complete gift that you do nothing to earn. But once you are saved, the Lord's got some good stuff he wants to do in and through your life. So in Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We all have a different shape. We have a different, different giftings, different abilities. We learned about this last week from Nathan. You know, we're a body and we're all different, but we have something that the Lord has, you know, predestined beforehand that we would be doing. These good works. This is part of the fruit of what our life produces, are these good works. And then thirdly, converts. So Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. You know what? The heart of our Father is that none would perish. He doesn't want a single person to go to hell. He doesn't want a single person to not know who he is, how much he loves them, and be in relationship with him. And the whole entire purpose of Christians having a fruitful life is actually to lead people to Jesus. It's the whole point of you having the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's the whole point of the good works he has for you to do. It's all about others seeing that the Lord is truly real and he is so good. It's all about evangelism, actually. And so this is why he wants us to be fruitful. And I love the way that today our songs and what people set up here was all in line with this. His goal is that none would perish and he's chosen to use us, his children, to show the world that he is real. And so we need to be having fruitful lives because, you know what? Otherwise, what's the point of still being here? Like, honestly, if you get saved, you may as well go straight to heaven. We're still here because the Lord doesn't want anyone else to go to hell. So we need to be shining him and his light, especially the darker the world gets, and it feels so dark right now, the more the church needs to stand up and be little Christ. We need to be little Christ. The world needs to see people who actually have the fruits of the Holy Spirit and actually do the good works that don't really make sense because no one else does that kind of stuff. We need to rise up and be that because people need to know the Lord is real and he's good. Amen? Amen. Okay. So the Lord wants you to have a successful, abundant, fruitful life. He does. And that fruit looks different to what the world would say would be a successful, 
fruitful, abundant life. You know, the world would say, if you're, you know, having an abundant life, you're probably going to be pretty popular, you're probably going to look pretty good, you're probably going to have a fair amount of money, be confident, successful. And the Lord goes, no, 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 that's not what I see as a fruitful life. A fruitful life is one that has those character qualities we just talked about, and you're doing the good works that the Lord has um, prepared beforehand for you to do, and you're seeing people brought to the Lord. Um, I was going to say as well, when it comes to converts um, and having pe- seeing people saved, you know, for some of you sitting here today, you may never have led somebody in the sinner's prayer. And that's okay, because I bet you have planted a seed in someone's life. I bet you've watered a seed in someone's life, and then probably somebody else led them to the Lord. <laughs> so don't be discouraged if you haven't ever actually led someone to Jesus with a sinner's prayer, because you've been part of the process, I'm sure. I know for me, when I was um, in my early 20s and I was at uni and uh, my, my side job was I worked in a um, before and after school care centre. And one of my colleagues, I actually had the privilege of leading her to the Lord and leading her in the sinner's prayer. And I'll never forget afterwards, I was talking to um, another colleague who I went to church with and she goes, it's so unfair. I've been sharing Jesus with her for like six months watering seeds, talking to her about the Lord, encouraging her, and then you got to be the one that said the prayer with her. That's so unfair. But my role was no, much more, no more important than hers in that whole process of seeing someone come to faith. So just be encouraged. If you've never led someone in the sinner's prayer, doesn't mean you're not actually seeing converts occur because of your life and that fruit is in, there in your life. And that girl, actually, she went overseas a few years after that. Um, I think she was in Jakarta, and she got a virus and she died. So praise the Lord that um, I got to say the sinner's prayer with her. Okay, so how do we cultivate a fruitful life? I've got three points to share with you. The most important one is that we need to abide in Jesus. So every scripture I'm going to read for these three points all have a gardening connotation. Surprise, surprise. Okay, the first one is from John 15, and it's all about when Jesus says, He is the vine, we are the branches. And the father is the gardener. So just imagine you are the branch of a grapevine right now, okay? And Jesus said this to us, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. How do we live a fruitful life with the character and the conduct and we're seeing other people come to know him? We need to abide in Jesus. Our relationship with Jesus must be our priority. Spending time with him must be your priority. Learning from his word, listening to him, praying to him, coming to him with every circumstance that arises, worshipping him, spending time with his people, being in church. We need to abide, make our home in him. And that is how we bear fruit. It's a byproduct of our relationship with the Lord Jesus. If you wake up tomorrow morning and think to yourself, okay, today I am going to be more loving I am going to be peaceful. I am going to be good today. If you try and do that in your own strength, I'm sorry, but it's just not going to work. Tomorrow, if you want to have the kind of fruits of the Spirit and that kind of fruit in your life, spend time with the Lord before you leave the house. 
That is how you have a fruitful, abundant life. It comes from your relationship with Jesus. And be patient. Cultivating fruit by spending time connected to the vine takes time. And some of us here are newer Christians, and you look at some people who've been Christians for a long time, and you think, oh, why am I over here still struggling with so much? And they're over there, like, full of all the fruits of the Holy Spirit, and they've just they've got it so together. It's just because they've spent more time attached to the vine, and they've had more time to produce fruit. Take heart. It takes time. Fruit production is a process. The Lord is working on you. Stay connected to the vine, abide in the vine, because that is how you will produce fruit, much fruit. Amen. Second point, when it comes to cultivating a fruitful life, it is all about the soil. I know this from being a physical gardener. I know that the quality of what the garden produces is about the soil, and it's true for our Christian life as well. So um, Jesus talks about a parable um, from this, the parable of the seed and the sower. And in that parable, he talks about seed, a farmer scattering seed, and that seed falling on four different types of soil. So the first one, the seed falls on like the, the hard path, um, and it doesn't work out. And then the next one, the seed falls on the rocky soil, and that doesn't work out. And then the seed falls on the thorny, weedy soil, and that doesn't work out. And then it falls on the good soil. So I want to read you the scriptures where he explains that parable. In Matthew 13, it says this, The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. And I think there's a lot of people in our culture that this becomes the truth for people who've been saved, and then this happens. Um, the seed that fell on good soil represent, represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. I want to be the good soil. Anybody else? I want to have a life that's productive. I leave this earth and my life produced a harvest of souls of eternal value, 30, 60, 100 times as much as what it would have been if I hadn't been saved. <laughs> that's what I want. I'm sure you do too. So the good soil, what's the difference with the good soil from the other soils? Well, the first soil, the footpath, it was hard. So good soil soft. We have to have a soft heart towards God, especially if he gives us a rebuke or a correction. Soft heart, trust you, Lord. Okay. And then the second soil that had the rocks in it, you know, the roots couldn't go down deep because the rocks were in the way. So I want to encourage you today what is in your life that's in the way of you spending time with the Lord for your roots to go down deep? What do you need to get out of the way so you can abide? Is there doubt? Is there busyness? Like, what is it? Let the Lord speak to you that you've got to remove, get the rocks out of that soil so it could be good soil. The third thing we need to get 
the weeds out, the things that are going to come and choke out our fruitfulness, the worries of this life, and there are a lot of them. We need to not be looking at the worries, we need to be looking at Jesus and the lure of wealth, the pleasures of this life, those things that a lot of us pursue, but it's just shallow, it's empty, and it's temporary. The good soil has all those things removed. But I know from being a gardener, good soil has other things added to it. So when I go to make a new, uh, my veggie garden beds to plant out a new set of crops, I add in manure and I add in compost. So what's manure? It's poo. What's compost? Rotten things. Life puts poo and rotten things onto us. It does. But if we allow the Lord to work those pooey, rotten things that get thrown at us, work them through our soil, we'll actually produce more fruit than what we would have, had, would have done if those things had not happened. I don't think the Lord causes the poo and the rotten things in life, but by golly does he use them. If you put it into his hands, the stuff that has been put on your life that's unfair, the stuff that's happened to you that is unjust, and you give it to him and say, Lord, work this through my soil so I can actually shine you to the world brighter, bigger, and better and produce more fruit. He'll do it. I don't know how he does it, but he's God. He's amazing. He can do anything. And he will take that stuff. He will make your life more fruitful. Trust in him. Amen? Amen. Trust him with the poo and the compost. (laughs) Okay. Thirdly, how do we cultivate a fruitful life? We get our roots to grow down deep. Now, I know I talked about that a minute ago when I said get the rocks out of the way so the roots can go deep. But I just want to share another scripture along the similar lines. It's from Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8. It says this, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when he comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Oh, I want to be that tree. <laughs> Does not fear when the heat comes. Pressures of life come, no fear. Leaves always green, no worries in the year of drought. When things start drying up, your health's drying up, money's drying up, whatever you were hoping was going to happen is not going to happen, no worries. That's what the kind of picture this tree is giving us. And how does that tree be like this? Starts at the beginning of that scripture. Trust in the Lord whose confidence is in him. Let your trust in the Lord go down deep, really deep, where it's unquestionable, unwavering. I had an example of this in my life when our son Nathaniel was born. Three days after his birth, he has Apert syndrome. You've probably, most of you have heard my story about him. So three days after his birth, the shock had worn off. And I went to the Lord and I was like, Lord, I don't know how to talk to you about this. Because leading up to this time, like I knew something wasn't okay when I was pregnant with him, but I had faith he was going to be healthy and that he was going to be healed. And then he was born and he was so much more unhealthy than what I thought he was going to be. I was like, Lord, I don't know how to talk to you. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to go on with this. And I was so afraid of what the future might look like, both for Nathaniel and for our family. And in that moment of prayer, I just felt the Lord say to me, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was a very strong impression in my mind. He said to me, Sarah, all I want you to do 
is I want you to love this boy and I want you to trust me. And that was it. He said nothing else. And for 10 years, all I have done is love that boy and have deep trust in my Father in heaven that loves me, that's got a purpose for me and a purpose for my son and a purpose for my family. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He is good. And my roots have gone down deep. And I'm good. I've still got green leaves. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Okay, so... We get our roots to go down deep by developing a deep trust in God, particularly in the hard times. And the other thing we need to do to really get those roots to go down deep is we need to meditate on God's word. It says in Psalms, the last scripture of today, Psalm 1, 1 to 3, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Now this is a side note because it's not the focus of the sermon today. Who you hang out with matters. Okay. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Nice picture, hey? What's the key to being a tree like this? where your leaf doesn't wither, where you yield your fruit in season, you meditate on God's word. Amen. It's simple. Spend time in God's word. It's not just reading the word of God for the sake of reading, just tick the box, oh, I read the word of God today. No, no. You go to God's word to seek guidance. You go to God's word to seek who he is. Like you actually seek scriptures that or him talking to you. It's how he talks to us. We actually meditate on the word of God. We let it define who we are. And we go to that as our first point of call. When troubles come, we go to the word. Amen? Okay. So let's just have a quick summary. I'll get the band to come back up and get ready before we worship the Lord. So how do we cultivate a fruitful life? Knowing that the whole purpose of having a fruitful life is actually to show the world Jesus is real. <laughs> to show them He's real, he's good, and he loves them because his heart is that none would perish. And the way we do that is that we abide in Jesus because that's where the fruit comes from. It comes from relationship with him. It's actually a mystery as to how he does it in us. But he does. He just transforms you as you spend time with him. It's amazing. It's all about your soil. It's all about what you take out of your soil, and it's all about seeing compost and poo of life actually worked through your life to make you more fruitful. Can I say the people that I think bear the most beautiful fruit in this Christian walk are those that have had the most stuff thrown on their lives and the Lord has just worked it in and they've been the most fruitful people I know. You need to get your roots down deep, develop a deep trust in the Lord. He loves you, he's got you, he's for you, not against you and meditate on God's word. If you get nothing else out of today, I want you just to go home and spend time with the Lord. That's all I want you to do, because that's where fruitfulness begins. Amen. Let's worship Him. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name's Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support and prayer and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the next step button.